I'm Kimberly. And I'm Pam. And you probably know us as the co-owners of Ghost Hill Press, the independent bookstore in Wilmington, North Carolina. And today we're coming to you with the very first episode of our brand new podcast, Spine Tinglers. Okay, I don't know if we'll do that every nah. time, but Spine Tinglers is the podcast. Yes. And we are going to be bringing you um, some interesting, hopefully, and enlightening book content uh, every other week uh, as we go forward from here uh, in the summer of 2022. Um, so let's find out a little bit more about each other. Not that we don't know each other because we're sisters, but hey, let's find maybe, out more maybe about... Maybe you don't know us. I don't know. know. Exactly. You, the listeners. So who are you, Pam? I'm Pam, and I am a native of Wilmington, North Carolina, um, with background in English literature at UNCW, done a couple of master's degrees abroad in Scotland, the University of Stirling, which include uh, a degree in Gothic literature and a degree in publishing studies. And I'm Kimberly. I am also from Wilmington. I have degrees from UNC Wilmington as well in history. And a few years ago, I went abroad to Scotland as well um, in 2014 and did my PhD in modern history there. And I'm currently a professor at Cape Fear Community College and UNC Wilmington. And uh, what are you drinking tonight, Kimberly? Uh, well, my drink of choice tonight is a nice uh, cup of hot tea. My preference being uh, a good British blend of uh, Tetley tea and uh, just a little bit of sugar. Nice. Nice. It's the best way. No milk. Exactly. Just a nice cup of bit of sweetness. A cup of builder's tea, which yes. if you've ever been to the UK, you might have heard of that before. And if you ever visit anyone in the UK, you will drink so many cups of tea. Every time I go and stay with friends, they're constantly making me cups of tea, and it's mental. I pretty much had tea running through my veins, I think, by the time I left there in 2018. <laughs> Speaking of Scotland, what are you drinking, Pam? I am drinking a single malt scotch whiskey tonight from the Isle of Jura. Um, let's face it, scotch whiskey is the only whiskey. Sorry, folks. Amen. And, um, you know, you guys probably weren't expecting it, but you're going to get a little bit of ASMR here. I'm going to take the cork out here. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that's a good sound. I'm going to pour it in the glass here. And that is just lovely. That one's not too peaty, right? That one's a little bit more yeah, this kind of even a... keeled. It's a tenure. <sighs> yep. Nice. Uh, white American white oak bourbon barrels. At least bourbon barrels have some sort of use, you know. <laughs> no. Oh come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, people. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm biased. But yes. Tenure. Isle of Jura. It's wonderful. So what are we going to be talking about today? So we're just going to kind of give you guys some background on who we are and our work at Ghost Hill Press, what we do there, and what we're going to do on this podcast. Yeah, so we thought we'd just give you uh, kind of an overview of what the last couple of years have been like for us as new bookstore owners and you know how we got to that point and what's happened since then. 
Um, so yeah, like, I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of where the idea for Ghost Hill Press came from? Yeah, sure. So it's kind of a combination of things. I, my latest uh, master's degree was in publishing studies. And so um, kind of the original plan was to stay in the UK and try to get a job in publishing um, after I was done. And then the pandemic hit in 2020. And I kind of had to rethink um, what I wanted to do because, uh, you know, all the fun work visa type things, um, which are difficult in the best of times, would have been even worse in the middle of a pandemic and trying to find a job. Um, and funnily enough, like my master's dissertation for that program I um, did my research on independent bookstores in Edinburgh and kind of how they curate books and how they create reading communities and how they collaborate with independent, independent publishers in Scotland. Um, and so a lot of that really influenced how we formed Ghost Hill Press and how we operate today. Yeah, and I think both of us having grown up like very bookish I guess you could say as young people um always enjoying reading that you know it's I think it's just about every book lover's dream to either work in or own a bookstore so um I think it was kind of inevitable that we'd eventually get to that part so yeah for sure yeah so I yeah like Ghost Hill Press kind of was born in 2020 um, we were 4,000 miles apart, uh, having lots of Zoom conversations about what this might look like and how we might get it going. Um, it's gone through a lot of different iterations, I yeah. think, in terms of planning. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, kind of we had big dreams kind of from the very beginning, had to scale a lot back in terms of knowing that we wouldn't be able to get funding and we pretty much bootstrapped everything from the get-go. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we started with... Um, little pop-ups at coffee shops and breweries and that sort of thing all over Wilmington in October 2020 and kind of you know just tried to start building the brand there and really getting our name out there and and getting people to to kind of recognize our faces and that kind of thing and trying to build a customer base and then kind of trying to figure out what our options were to get into a brick and mortar. Yeah I think I can't say enough about how awesome the small business community is in Wilmington and just like how um, cool it is to see so many people our age kind of in their like at the time like late 20s, early 30s and kind of thinking about, you know, building businesses and how many of those businesses have supported us along the way with either like allowing us to have a pop up at their site or, you know, helping us with um, kind of just where we might be headed in the future. And so we're really grateful to be a part of that community now. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's crazy from like day one, you know, creating our, our Instagram page and starting to kind of get word out there that we were doing this. Like, you know, we immediately had uh, support from Matt Keen at, at Gravity Records. Mm -hmm. um, we um, had support from friends, you know, at Social Coffee Supply and, you know, all these different things that have yeah. kind of culminated into having some great relationships with people that are, you know, in the cargo district and mm -hmm. beyond. Yeah, Plant Outpost. Um, yeah. yeah, so many cool places that we, we now get to be a part of that community. Um, yeah, so, so we started out doing pop-ups and stuff, kind of getting to know people and kind of introduce them to our style, I guess you could say, of selling books, which is a little bit different I, than what you might see, I guess, in like a big box store 
um, that, that, you know, you might go to find books or something like that, or even kind of from what you would see online. So um, you've probably heard our little kind of tagline that we have, which is about books curated by real people, not algorithms. Yeah. So very much uh, in your face to Amazon yeah. because they're the worst. <laughs> in so many ways. Yeah. Um, and, and specifically, you know, not just because of all the issues that we know about kind of behind the scenes with that with workers and stuff, but also just how hard Amazon and like these big box retailers are on publishers and authors and really how bad it's been on uh, in terms of how much it takes away from their profits and yeah. and that sort of thing. Definitely. Yeah, so when you see those big, deep discounts, um, you're probably going to find that you're not actually supporting authors that much in the long run with that. Yeah, definitely not. Definitely. So, yeah, I mean, the the cool thing about curation, um, Pam did a lot of work on that on her work in Edinburgh. So tell me more about, like, I kind of what does that mean? So, like, that is a question we get a lot in the store is... How do you pick out your books? Like, tell me more about the book collection. So Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of it came from, you know, the whole curation aspect from my research. And funnily enough, today I read back through part of my dissertation. Didn't really plan on doing that. It just happened. And I was just kind of amazed to see how much of what we do at Ghost Hill Press is what I wrote about in that dissertation. But... Uh, basically, there was a scholar, his last name is um, Basker, I think, Michael Basker, I think. Um, he wrote extensively about curation, and basically, kind of to distill it down, curation is like the art of making more out of less. And so, you know, having a smaller selection of books really um, kind of distilling down that selection for customers makes it easier on them. Um, even today when I was in the bookstore, I had someone come in who asked about our process of selecting books and, you know, they really liked the concept because they found it less overwhelming than going into a large bookstore where there's so many options to choose from. Um, and coming into our space, you know, bit of a smaller selection, but what's there, um, is going to be high quality um, selection than a big box store where you're going to get a mix of things that are really, really good and things that are kind of mediocre. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one thing that's been great too about even kind of our business process from the beginning, I guess, was starting with pop-ups. There's only so much you can put on a table (laughs) in front of somebody else's business or inside somebody else's business. Only so much that we could fit in, you know, tubs in the car (laughs) to move around. Um, And then, of course, moving into the Carvey District into our current space, which is the 160 square foot shipping container. And working with that space, it really does make us have to think about, you know, that curation and really that hands-on approach to things. And it it really is hands-on from start to finish because we're Mm -hmm. picking... The books by hand, you know, spending time thinking about, you know, what we want to bring into the store. And then we are, you know, the hands, you know, placing it on the shelves, everything. Um, and then also hand, the hand selling part of that too, which yeah. I find really, really fun. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun when someone just says, hey, like, what do you recommend? And, you know, kind of getting a, a sense of, what our customers currently like to read and where, you know, they want, if they have reading goals or anything like that, and then kind of 
building off of that. And, you know, it's been funny just to see where, you know, we give somebody a, a little stack of books and they come back to us and they're like, like, these are like perfect recommendations for us, you know, that kind of thing. Like, um, so that's been cool to see. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's certain things that, like, an algorithm online isn't going to be able to tell you, you know, exactly what that person needs on a specific day, you know? I yeah. think it's, like, that's where that human element comes in and, and the factor of, you know, being able to connect with people one-on-one, which I find really exciting and yeah. I, that kind of personal experience. And, yeah. yeah, when people come in and say, can you recommend something or what have you been reading lately or or whatever that might be, even if there's something, like, I love it too when people are like, I know I want to get a book, but I don't know what I'm looking for. Or, you know, they maybe stuck in a rut. You know, I think we all get in those places. Yeah. I always like to come at it with different questions. I mean, we've done, mm-hmm. some of you might be familiar with, we've done like book quizzes in the past, which are kind of like little short, um, I guess, almost kind of like Instagram quizzes where you or would like have Buzzfeed like, yeah, BuzzFeed quizzes yeah. <laughs> where you'd have like just a couple of quick things like what's your favorite coffee order or like what do you watch on Netflix or, you know, kind of like come at it from a different direction. And then based on some of those things, like we'll pull a couple of things off the shelves and then be like, you know, here's what this is all about. And then people walk out of there thinking, gosh, I never would have thought to pick up this book. Yeah. But it looks like it's going to be perfect. And then to have people come back and be like, oh my gosh, that was like just what I needed right then. Yeah. And it's kind of, I think, overwhelming the positivity that we've gotten from that. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, there's always moments where you kind of doubt yourself, like, you know, am I suggesting the right thing? Like, I don't know. But then, like, getting really positive feedback is, is always nice. And, um, you know, I think my other favorite thing about book selling is getting to know our regulars and what they like to read and you know to the point that whenever I'm picking out books I'm like oh such and such would love this book I'm gonna have to like let them know that we have this when we get it in like this is right up their alley um so yeah yeah I love that yeah I mean talking about book selection as well we could talk more about how we get to that point because it is overwhelming how many books come out every year I mean even every month yeah at that point especially certain times of the year like the summer and the fall tend to be like really big times and you know the two of us can only read so much we we do read a lot but yeah. and I think we're both reading now more than ever but it's still tough we can though. only do so much <laughs> and we also have our own personal reading taste so I can't read everything in the store that's another question that we get quite often is have we read everything in the store and the answer is no (laughs) yeah and you know to be honest we really really hate that question most of the time it's well-meaning yeah when people ask it but it gets a little old because it's like you know I'm running a small business do you think I have time to read all of these (laughs) but but not just that like just because we have such a wide selection of stuff there's just certain genres that neither of us are going to really be interested in but we know other people that come in the shop will be interested I mean personally I'm not a fan of dystopia but you know Mm -hmm. a lot of people are so um, you know we'll have that stuff in the shop but it doesn't mean that we've read it but we do get good recommendations from other people typically before we pull something into the shop yeah and like you know I'm not a huge nonfiction reader um but, you know, the kind of things that factor in on, like, what I tend to pick for some nonfiction stuff is, like, subjects that I would be interested in reading if I were to read nonfiction. And I do read some here and there. Like, you know, I really enjoyed Stanley Tucci's memoir last year. 
and I'm currently reading um, Jeremy Moss's book on Steed Bonnet because, you know, our flag means death. Amazing. <laughs> um, and so, you know, there's little gateways here and there that I'm finding to kind of get into something new and, you know, out of the comfort zone. And, you know, it's nice to help people be able to do the same thing. Um, but I definitely tend to gravitate toward, you know, fiction, you know, mysteries, gothic fiction, of course. Um, those are, those are my jam. And, uh, as of late, uh, I've really been into, uh, translated fiction. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to convince Pam to come over to the dark side of nonfiction because I do read a lot of nonfiction, but, um, we'll talk about that more on another podcast in the future. I'm sure it's kind of like reading outside your comfort zone and, and that sort of thing. But, yeah, I mean, like the way that we go through finding books, we, we do work with a number of distributors and also with some publishers like one-on-one, especially some small publishers. Got to give a shout out to Hub City Press yeah. in Spartanburg, South Carolina, because they have been supporters from day one as well. Yeah, um, I mean, they let us co-sponsor an event with Wiley Cash and Ashley Bryant Phillips, like when we were still in very early stages yeah, of planning. Yeah, was like, like, what, like September? Back, no, 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 it was July oh my gosh, of 2020. July, gosh. July of 2020. Yeah, like, so we didn't very even... Very early days. We hadn't even ordered books by that point no, in time, I don't think. No. So, so yeah, I mean, like fantastic support from them. Um, and, you know, through those kinds of connections, of course, we're also both on like social media and like bookstagram and kind of like book talk stuff is really big kind of seeing what people are reading on there but also not just going with what's hot but also looking at like if someone is enjoying this book that's like really mainstream right now what what else might they enjoy that maybe they haven't heard of yeah um and we have other you know fantastic podcasts and resources that we listen to gotta give another shout out to ann bogle and what should i read next um, or Modern Mrs. Darcy, if you've heard of her program with that. I mean, gosh, I learn so much about literature and stuff that comes out. Like, that's probably why I have a, a better base of yeah. kind of current contemporary literature yeah. today. Plus, like, you know, uh, Kimberly's part of her Patreon. So we're always, um, you know, summer and, and fall reading guides. We're always, you know, in tune with that, too, just for things that we kind of you know, miss or are a little out of our own wheelhouses um, that we can kind of um, gather inspiration from. So that's always been been good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so that leads us to kind of our next big thing is that um, if you're if you've been following along on social media and and so forth, we are growing. Um, we are getting ready to expand into a new space. Um, yeah. Even with that expansion, of course, we're still keeping that smaller inventory curated collection Mm -hmm. but it will have a little bit more room to work with so tell us a little bit more about that Pam yeah I mean really we weren't planning on this um we just decided that we were going to meet with our landlord um and just kind of let him know some ideas that we had for growth in the future which you know included wanting more space to be able to host our own events um be able to introduce a coffee bar um to the bookstore and that kind of thing and you know, he just so happened to have space available that was going to really fit that need. Um, and so it kind of just moved the timetable up. We weren't really planning on doing it anything this year. Um, this was kind of something that we were thinking about, you know, maybe next year, you know, if things were going well. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're going into a um, building in the cargo district that's kind of like a co-working building. And we'll be kind of in the common area. 
Um, we'll have a bookstore, um, a nice you know seating area and uh, work areas for people to come in and um, work on their laptops or sit and read. And then we'll also have a coffee and tea bar, um, which is really exciting for me. Yeah, I um, mean, books, coffee, tea. There's going to be plenty of space. So, like, you can come in, you, you know, whether you grab a book or bring in a book with you, sit down and read. Um, you know, if you have a little bit of quiet work to do or if you want to chat with a friend, it's going to be, like, a lounge area, lots of, like, kind of fun um opportunities there and then yeah having that in-house space for events we are so excited to be able to expand Mm -hmm. I think that calendar is going to look really fun in the next you know six months or so as we start planning more stuff so yeah um yeah so that's like it's 1502 Castle Street which is the corner of 15th and Castle um it's the old girls club building um so it has a little bit of kind of that um historic element to it I guess you could say um much like the rest of the cargo district so you know again it's been fantastic to partner with the Cargo District and see how how much that has grown even since we have been there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we've even been in the here, courtyard. So. We've been there just over a year now. Yeah. Um, and it's just com- changed so drastically, um, and they're really just doing some really cool things there. And so we're we're really excited, and we love being there. Yeah. So we'll be within walking distance of our previous location. You know, about a block away, block and a half away. Um, really easy to find. So we'll be posting and talking more about that in the future for sure. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that kind of just having a really chill space that we can all enjoy and connect with more people. And again, that's something that we haven't always been able to do in the shipping container because it's so tiny. Yeah. You get like three or four people in there and it's kind of claustrophobic. Yeah. Um, and that, I think that's always been a concern, <laughs> you know, anytime that it's busy, like on, you know, a market day in the cargo district, you don't want people to feel rushed when they're looking yeah. at books, but it's hard not to feel rushed when, you know, it's 160 square feet and all of a sudden there's like five people in the bookstore. Um, and so it's going to be nice to be able to spread out, um, you know, have space where people can just hang out and we can get to know people more. Um, and also kind of having that coffee and tea element to things, um, is going to be really exciting too, um, just to be able to bond over that experience as well. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Being able to chat with people longer, I think is going to be really fun for sure. Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) Yeah, so lot, we're going to be doing a lot of work in the next few days. Uh, you're probably This is probably going to be like, the podcast will probably come out after we have made this move, but yeah. we, we are very much like in this process right now of like kind of <laughs> running around with our heads cut off and like, you know, our to-do lists are kind of like catching fire on us yeah. uh, in a way. So yeah. we're just like, keep it under control. We're in survival mode right now. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But we're getting there. So yeah. we're, we're excited to share that space with y'all soon. And so I guess we should talk a little bit about what we're going to be doing with the Spine Tinglers podcast coming up. Yeah, I, I think, who came up with the name originally? I think you did. Did I? Yeah. Okay. I think yeah. it was kind of like this kind of um, dual meaning, I guess you could say, thinking about <laughs> a book spine, you know, grabbing your favorite book off the shelf, but also, you know, a lot of our branding has the skeleton in it and so forth very gothic in nature in a sense so I was thinking about kind of like the spine and kind of like you know you know we love a little bit of spooky gothic fiction which is not going to be the entire focus of the podcast we're going to talk about a lot of different stuff but we do love the the quote the quote-unquote uh spine tinglers uh type of reads you know for sure um so yeah that's kind of where the where the name came from 
But yeah, it's mostly just going to be us chatting about, you know, different um, aspects of, you know, the reading life, book selling, um, you know, books that we're excited about, um, giving recommendations even. Um, and we might even bring in some of our author friends that we've gotten to know over the past year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, lots of cool things. Yeah, we're hoping to kind of have a little bit of everything for people so that, you know, it's not the same thing every, we're going to be doing this hopefully every other week. We're going to start out bi-weekly and see where it takes us and kind of where our, where our time uh, management skills come into play there. But um, yeah, hopefully we'll have, you know, conversations between the two of us but also, you know, we want to bring other people into that as well. So yeah. um, if there's certain things that you're interested in hearing more about, definitely drop us some comments on social media. Um, the account for the podcast is at Spine Tingler's Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, we're at Ghost Hill Press uh, for the bookstore, but you can find us um, at Spine Tingler's Podcast specifically for this show. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I've, I've done, we've kind of been on the fringes of wanting to do podcasting for a little while now. So finally adding that layer to, to the store yeah. and to our little community. Definitely. Definitely. And yeah, so I guess for the, the rest of the time here, we'll just kind of circle back and talk about, um, you know, how we got into reading initially and what we like to read now and yeah, different things we've enjoyed reading re- recently. So Take it away, Kimberly. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, I mentioned earlier, we've both kind of been reading since we were very young or having been read to. So I I think that's one thing that I definitely have to say kudos to our parents for um, being willing to sit down and read books to us, even if it was the same book over and over again. I don't remember if Pam was like this as much, but I had a couple books that I know that both of our parents were sick of reading (laughs) to me over and over again one of them was this book called Hiram's Red Shirt which I still have it was a little golden book um and it's falling apart um and and it was just basically what happens to Hiram's Red Shirt has now happened to the book um (laughs) because it was so well loved um and then also uh there was a book called Piggins which I was just I was gonna look up the name of the um uh the author. The author, because yeah. it's it's bugging me. But, uh, oh no, of course Google has messed it all up. Um, so, yeah, but but I remember getting this book out from the school library. Um, I went to Johnson Elementary, which is, I think, now defunct here in Wilmington. But, um, you know, again, wonderful experience of having great school librarians who were willing to put books in your hands that... Uh, would be good uh, selections, and one of them, yeah, Piggins, so, um, oh, actually published in the year I was born. Um, (laughs) It was by Jane Yolen, how could I forget? Uh, But I read that book so much that I memorized the first, like, sentence or two of it, and so I kind of tricked my parents into thinking that I could read probably faster than I could, (laughs) (laughs) because I knew it so well. But, um, yeah, I mean, just kind of... Grew up reading a lot. Um, I, I mean, towards high school, I think I had some struggles, like, because I was always reading above my grade level. And this is something that I think we could probably talk about more in the future is kind of getting through those kind of difficult times with reading. Yeah. But 
I know that I, it was like so pushed on me for a while there that I just got sick of reading and didn't want to read like the stuff I was being told I had to read. And so it took me a long time actually to really get back into reading for fun. And I would say that was probably not until grad school, which is to me really sad, but you know, since then it's been crazy. I think it's hard when you're in school to want to read for fun because you have to read so much for your classes and stuff. I mean, you were having to read all kinds of like history books and things like that. I had to read a lot of English lit for my degree. So, um, yeah, that makes yeah. it a little more difficult. I mean, yeah, in undergrad, a lot of reading, I mean, grad school took it to another level because every class was like, you're reading a 300 plus page book every week for mm-hmm. like three or four classes at a time. So, you know, <laughs> I was, you know, reading probably if I really counted it out, I don't know, gosh, probably 40 books a semester, Yeah. Um, which is just ridiculous. And, and I lot. used to not even really, quote unquote, count that as reading, like yeah. as like... I, I wasn't even keeping track of what I was reading at that point in time. Well, you know um, what? She counts it now. I do. <laughs> because I'm like, you know what? I spent a lot of time thinking about that book. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's that's definitely important. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. How about you, Pam? Yeah. I mean, like you said, you know, we read a lot growing up. I think my earliest memories mm-hmm. were... Um, you know, going to the school library and picking out a book or two um, to take home, um, including like Caps for Sale, uh, I think was one that I was really obsessed with. I also remember one that was called Stone Soup. Oh, yeah. As well, that we used to get yeah. out. Um, so, yeah, kind of starting with that. And then I think I really got into a bunch of different kind of little bit of fantasy, but not too much. But Whenever I was 11, um, I had two back surgeries and was kind of incapacitated for a while, which meant, you know, going to the library and picking up a butt ton of books uh, to read. Um, So that's when I read uh, the Chronicles of Narnia series for the first time. Um, And of course, this was um, actually a bit after the time of, of Lord of the Rings films coming out. But when those films came out as well, like you know, I started reading those books and that kind of opened up a whole new world to things. A whole new world. <laughs> no, please cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need people to hear me sing. Um, and then like, you know, kind of late high school getting into the classics like, you know, Jane Austen and uh, reading Jane Eyre for the first time and um, Wuthering Heights and, and all that kind of stuff. And that kind of really formed the foundation of wanting to pursue English lit, um, in undergrad and then kind of building from there for, for Gothic literature and stuff too in grad school. But, um, yeah, had so many good professors at UNCW too, that kind of fostered interest and stuff. Took a really cool, uh, senior seminar on, fairy tales with Dr. Sweeney and that was a lot of fun and uh yeah the whole gothic course was just amazing (laughs) yeah gosh um yeah I think we could probably unpack all of that like so many little things in there that I think future episodes will draw on some of those things that we have that have been formative for us and I think another thing that I I definitely saw as like a big change in my reading life probably over the past few years more so is like when I got back into reading when I was, I guess, you know, close to 20, what was that? Maybe 23 or so. 
23-24 when I got really back into reading kind of outside of being in school I felt like I had to catch up on all of the the so-called classics and you know they're classics for a reason but like I sadly am not a huge fan of, of Charles Dickens you know I love his stories I love the overarching like kind of arc of them but like to sit down with a 1200 page book and you know really get into all the nitty-gritty details of every description including the contents of different cupboards and so forth I was like this is too much yeah you know I needed to click on a little bit faster but I think I went through this period where I was definitely like you know there's only certain types of literature that you should read and really focus your attention on and really didn't realize that I was kind of cutting myself out of a lot of things I could be enjoying as well so like more recently I think even more so my tastes have broadened and I realized that I don't have to read just the the so-called like especially the western classics because Mm -hmm. there's so much more out there we're gonna talk about like reading translated fiction and stuff like that in future definitely but like you know I think there was a lot of like feeling maybe from from others that I was close to that that have been kind of in my little reading bubble that it was like only acceptable to read like the classics and I'm yeah. like no yeah and there's so much get, good stuff out I mean, there you so. kind of get bogged down at times too and I think yeah you know that's kind of some of the vibe that we're going for with bookstores like read what you enjoy like don't read something that you feel like that you're um, obligated to read because it's a classic or because it's the next hottest thing or whatever, you know, just read what you like to read, whether that's, you know, a rom-com or if you like classic fiction or you like literary fiction or you like biography, memoir, whatever, you know. Yeah, I mean, I want to live in a literary world where I can enjoy Jane Eyre on one day and the next day pick up the next, like, Jennifer Weiner book. You know, that's kind of where I want to be. I want to be able to, like, move about in that kind of very open and accepting space that's like not just one thing yeah yeah so what do you enjoy reading right now as far as like genres and stuff yeah yeah Yeah. gosh kind of more broadly yeah I've always said I'm very eclectic in my reading taste um I do read a lot of nonfiction just because that is my job and I do that for research and for teaching but also enjoy like actually reading nonfiction and like other topics besides history so I love stuff about like nature and memoir type stuff um really fun I in terms of fiction tend to read gosh it really just depends what I'm in the mood for I'm very much a mood reader I like a bit of historical fiction I like a little bit of rom-com I like um some literary fiction for sure I like a good old-fashioned mystery. Um, <laughs> Literally anything, guys. <laughs> absolutely anything with a haunted house in it, pretty yes. much. Unless it's, like, super, super, like, horror. Like, I don't go into, yeah. like, the Stephen King territory. Yeah, she doesn't like gore but, and stuff. you know, if it's, like, you know, Susan Hill's, like, The Woman in Black or yeah. something like that, yeah. hit me up because I'll, I'll devour it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And Pam, we know you like gothic literature, but yeah. what else do you enjoy reading? Um... Yeah, I mean, like I kind of mentioned earlier, I've been on a translate, translated fiction kick lately. Mostly because, like, I think it's nice to kind of expand your horizons culturally. Because, you know, there's a lot of cultures that are vastly different from culture in the West and in America specifically. 
Um, so I've been reading a lot of like Japanese translated fiction, um, some stuff from Latin America, which has been great. Um, so yeah, I've really been enjoying that lately. Um, always in, really in the mood for anything spooky slash gothic. Um, funny thing is I used to not be a mood reader, but I've become a mood reader, which I don't really know how I feel about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I used to be able to kind of like pick up a book and I would just push through and finish it. But I've like kind of learned recently just to put something down if I'm not enjoying reading it at that point in time. Cause you know, maybe I can revisit it later and it'll be better. Um, or maybe not, maybe I just need to, to DNF it and forget it, you know? And that's totally okay to do. Yeah, definitely. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think what else. I'm tr really trying to expand my horizons and read more nonfiction. Um, so trying my best to do that and trying to find, um, kind of the best things to kind of get into that, uh, which includes, you know, if I want to read some history, maybe go for something a little shorter. Uh, last year I tried to start, uh, the Alexander Hamilton book, and it is freaking huge, guys. Like, if you haven't seen it before, like, it's probably, what, 800 pages or so? At least. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason they're called doorstop biographies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's chonky. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, even I don't want to read that. Yeah. I'm a historian, so, yeah. 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 As much as I would love to read more detail into it. Alexander Hamilton it's just not happening right now um so kind of you know an alternative right now that I'm I'm reading <laughs> as Teddy is chewing his bone really loudly um is uh yeah Jeremy R. Moss's book on uh Steve Bonnet uh which has been good because like it kind of weaves in some kind of local history because you know yeah. we had we were kind of the center of all of the, the happenings with Steve Bonnet and with Blackbeard. Steve Bonnet was captured not far from here. Yeah, just north of Southport. Um, and then Blackbeard's ship went down, um, which the, the, it's the same ship that Steve Bonnet had originally, right? The if Revenge. I remember correctly, and they yes. renamed it renamed the Queen it, yeah. Revenge. Because, like, they screwed each other over. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> spoilers. Uh, <laughs> and so it's been fun to kind of get a dose of, like, local stuff but also like kind of reading up on these characters that have come into popular culture now yeah. um through a tv show um so that's been really good um so yeah I, I love murder mysteries i read so much agatha christie in undergrad that was kind of my little escape i think from uh all of the kind of classics and things that i was reading for my english lit degree so um i still enjoy reading Agatha Christie and, you know, picking up other mysteries and stuff to read, but, yeah. Yeah, Pam probably doesn't remember much of it, but she used to be able to read Old English. Yeah, um, <laughs> I did, yeah. So you could, like, actually read, like, the original Chaucer yeah, and stuff like I mean, that. Yeah, I was translating stuff from, like, Beowulf and, you know, I'm quite jealous kind of about stuff. that. That was really a cool fun. class. Yeah. Um... But yeah, I probably don't really remember anything from it. I still have the textbook, though, so... There's always the future, so yeah. who knows? But literally, it was like, you know, actually looking at it and translating stuff, and then, like, we learned, like, pronunciations and everything, and, like, how to actually read it out loud. Um, yeah. Which also, crazy. for someone who's been a Tolkien fan, was just, like, kind of, like, falling yeah. into, like, a really fun black hole, so... Yeah, yeah. definitely, mm -hmm. yeah. 
yeah yeah what's what's something that you've read and enjoyed recently or what are maybe what are your highlights of things that you have read so far this year yeah gosh Could I have more than one book oh highlight reel that's gonna be hard <laughs> Well, the number one that one that stands out the most for me, especially for fiction that I finished early in the year, is Firekeeper's Daughter by mm-hmm. Angeline Bouley. Um, absolutely phenomenal book. I mean, I I definitely cried at the end of it, which I don't yeah. do very often, even though I'm probably more apt to show emotion. Um, but I it was just fantastic. It's um centered around uh, the indigenous community around Sault Ste. Marie um, in um, Michigan. And there's, it's a YA book, so it's young adult fiction, but I mean, there's so much going on in it. Like, you know, it, it was not something that I would have just said, oh, this is a fluffy YA novel. This is like murder mystery, like, you know, all sorts of stuff going on with like undercover work. There's like, um, you know, drug rings going on, like, you learn so, so much about Ojibwe culture, and I highly recommend reading this one. If you if you want to read it, um, do it on audiobook, mm-hmm. um, and we can always talk about this in the future, but we have a partnership with Libro FM, um, yeah. which is a great way to support Ghost Hill Press and other independent bookstores if you enjoy audiobooks, but, um, and I'll, I'll drop in the show notes more information on how to find all this, but... Um, Listening to the audiobook, the narrator um, is not only a fantastic narrator, but she also is able to use all the pr- the correct pronunciation mm-hmm. for the the language. And you, I learned so much just in terms of like their relationship with nature and just kind of like family and kinship, and it was just absolutely fascinating. So I could go on about that. Um, other highlights: I just finished up. Um, Mary Laura Philpott's Bomb Shelter, um, called Love, Time, and Other Explosives, which is a memoir um, told in essay format, which is another thing I love. I love short stories and essays. Yeah, I didn't even say that earlier, stories. but like I love anything short like that because you can kind of feel like you're accomplishing something uh, as you're moving along through a book, I guess. Yeah. But uh, Mary Laura Philpott, she's a writer out of um, Nashville, Tennessee, and she... Uh, worked for a while at Parnassus Books, and I think I came across her list. I listened to a, another podcast about writing and stuff like that that introduced me to her work, and I just decided to check it out. And she's kind of like writing from the perspective of being in her mid forties. Her kids are growing up, like totally not anything like what I'm going through right now. But like it was just a fantastic look at just relationships and family, and you know what it means to you know, not be able to protect everyone you love, like, 100% all the time. Um, and there's a lot of humor in there. Um, yeah, I just really enjoyed that. Yeah. 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 Sweet. What about you, Pam? I mean, there's lots of highlights. I, I've read I've read 20 books already this year, which I'm proud of. Woo-hoo. Hopefully that will continue. I got to get back in the zone here soon, but... <laughs> Um, I mean, I kind of set up my whole year by the first book that I finished reading, which was Jason Mott's Hell of a Book, which, you know, I don't think anything else is going to top that this year. Um, It won the National Book Award, um, and Jason is a a local writer, and, um, you know, just getting that um, kind of fictional narrative and, like, 
getting that sense of kind of how kind of the climate in America right now, what it's like to be um, a person of color in America and specifically what it's like to be a black man in America. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's intense, it's eye opening, um, but also like just like a masterful story told through that. Um, and so I really enjoyed that. Um, other highlights, I'll try not to go into too much detail. Like I I'm, did. <laughs> I'm going to do lots of blow by blow. Um, really enjoyed um, My Sister the Serial Killer. Very funny. Lots of dark humor in that. Um, I am not going to try to say the author's name, but we'll drop uh, all these uh, books in the show notes for this episode as well. Um, another highlight is Brian Washington's Memorial. Um, I absolutely, um, devoured that book. Um, and you know, it's, I feel like it's a little bit different. Even hell, hell of a book is a lot different than books that I tend to go for. Um, more on kind of like the literary fiction side of things and like kind of more emotional elements and that sort of thing, but really enjoyed Memorial. Um, my favorite translated novel that I've read this year is Selva Almada's new book, Brickmakers. Um, it's about these uh, two young men. Basically, uh, the end of the story is at the beginning. They're both um, dying. They've had this knife fight. They're both dying. And it kind of goes back in time and tells the story of this rivalry between their families and how that's torn them apart. Um, and basically destroyed their lives. Um, absolutely amazing writing. Um, the translator did an amazing job of really capturing Almada's voice, and yeah, it was really awesome. And then two other two other missions, and then I'll stop. Um, really enjoyed um, Exit West. Um, I read that this time around, and also like another really kind of emotional. Um, read. I'm going for the emotional reads this year, which is very <laughs> opposite of what I try to do. Break out the tissues. Yeah. Um, and then on like the gothic side of things, I um, recently finished V.E. Schwab's Gallant, which is kind of like a mashup of uh, like Del Toro's Crimson Peak and some Neil Gaiman, all that sort of stuff. Um, female protagonist who is deaf and mute. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah, like this whole kind of like dual world um, that are kind of like mirror, mirror images of each other, but one's very dark and one's kind of like grounded in the world, real world and stuff. So hmm. yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Oh, um, that's really fascinating. Yeah. Can I throw a couple more in there? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm just really quickly. Yeah, <laughs> we're, bo- one, we're both going I'm through our like, story oh graph gosh. list yeah. trying to figure well, out what we That'll read. be another interesting topic in future, too, is like how we track what we read. Let's, mm-hmm. We'll talk about that one day. Um, yeah, so uh, Kim Fu's Lesser Known Monsters of the 21st Century. I just finished that recently. It's a short story collection of kind of like uh, magical realism, which is something else I actually really enjoy. Um, kind of dark short story a little bit of like futuristic stuff but like not necessarily dystopian I mean there's like some of them some of the stories were really kind of like oh this is kind of like interesting kind of like weird Mm -hmm. then others were like god this is really dark 
Um, and then there were some that just made my made my skin want to crawl off. There's one about like these June bugs that invade this woman's house, and I'm just like, this is just too much. Yeah. But it was still really fascinating and just really fun to read. Um, so yeah, that was one that I enjoyed. I also I read an awful lot of like history stuff this spring because of some classes I was teaching, and I definitely want to share. I was teaching this class on capitalism and slavery. Um, which is a, a huge like Pandora's box, but I want one of the books that would be absolutely, um, I would say would be a must read if you are interested in that topic, but don't know where to start. Um, in just in terms of kind of like the human stories behind it, would be um, Dana Ramey Berry's The Price for Their Pound of Flesh The Value of the Enslaved from Wound to, Womb to Grave and the Building of a Nation. Um, it's been out for a couple years now, but Barry's work is just like phenomenal. And she talks about some really tough subjects, like, you know, looking at enslaved people in the 19th century and prior and looking at like, you know, actually like the, the value that they were sold for and like how like, like the slave markets worked and that sort of thing and what different factors like would, would increase or decrease someone's value. And even like after someone was, was dead, like, there was still value in their body, essentially, and that enslavers could make money off of that. But the thing that was so fascinating about it is because, like, because it's, like, an economic history, you could really get down into numbers and stuff like that, and it can be very dehumanizing, but she brings in, like, lots and lots of narratives of, like, people who actually experience stuff and, like, kind of puts a name to the, or face to the name or, or whatever it might be, you want to say, yeah. about that. And it was, it was very powerful. My students really, really loved it. Um, another one that I almost forgot about because it was like way back at the very beginning of the year is uh, Jackie Polzin's Brood, mm, yeah, which is a like really a short novel, but I just, I couldn't stop talking about it for a little bit. I think yeah. it, I don't even know how to describe it other than it's a quiet novel. Um, and it is about a woman who actually the protagonist is unnamed in the book. Um, I didn't really realize that until later when I was mm. writing about it. And she is living in kind of the Midwest, Minnesota, I believe, with her husband, who's kind of an academic, and um, they don't have any children, which kind of factors into part of the storyline as well. And um, she has these four chickens in their backyard, and she has their little chicken coop and everything, and basically it's like following them through kind of like a year of trying to keep these chickens alive, and like other things are happening around them, and it's just like it kind of gets under your skin and maybe it was because I, we grew up around kind of like farming stuff and we had chickens growing up and whatnot yeah. it felt very familiar and very like kind of like cozy but also like you know kind of peeling back some layers of like what's going on underneath the surface of what looks like this kind of really I don't know quiet life that's yeah. going on and it was really really fun yeah. um but if you're if you're kind of sensitive on like the the animal end of things, maybe a little too much. <laughs> Teddy's making a lot of mouth noises over here, guys. Yeah, you're getting um, Aussie ASMR. Yeah, I always find it really interesting when they when the protagonist is never given a name. Like, and, you know, the biggest one I think about is uh, Daphne Du Maurier's Rebecca, like mis the second Misers to Winter and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, you get kind of the, the surname, but yeah, that's a, it's an interesting um, format, I think, to tell stories about. Yeah, for sure. Especially, because it tends to also be women who don't get the name. 
And mm-hmm. I'm just like, why? <laughs> I'm interested. <laughs> Pam's a literary Pam, expert, you know. right? So she. Oh God, know. no! I'm definitely not. <laughs> no. Like, don't come in asking me questions, guys. No. <laughs> Putting me on the spot is not the way. <laughs> she will freeze. <laughs> She'll be like, wait, what? <laughs> Crawling under the coffee bar now. <laughs> I'm just. I'm gonna go make a coffee now. Bye. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. yeah. Well, I think we'll probably wrap it there. Yeah. Uh, Leave something for next time. Yeah, for sure. But, um, yeah, as Kimberly said before, if you guys um, want to see us talk about something specifically on the podcast, let us know. Um, but, yeah, we're going to try to do some cool stuff. We're going to, um, yeah, hopefully bring in some other people, and including some friends that uh, own a bookstore in Scotland. Yeah. Um, that's going to be cool. Some transatlantic yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be really fun. Like, it's going to be a hoot. Yeah. Like, definitely. It's going to be great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Well, you can find us online on Instagram at Spine Tanglers Podcast. And you can also find us at www.ghosthillpress.com slash spine tanglers. Um, we'll have all the full show notes for every uh, episode on there. You can also find uh, all the books that we've mentioned, any other resources that we think you'd be interested in. We'll add on there and link them to our bookshop.org. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, at Ghost Hill Press, we're happy to, to chat with you more about books. We do um, ship uh, across the U.S. and so forth. So yeah, if you um, ever need anything, just give us a shout. Yeah. And we also do a personalized uh, book subscription called The Beacon. Um, So if you're interested in kind of finding out how we um, help customers select books, um, that's a good way of doing it, especially if you need to jumpstart your reading life again. So, yeah. yeah. And who knows, we might even do uh, one of those live on the podcast sometime. That'd be fun. So, cool. Well, thanks for listening today, guys. And we hope to see you again soon around the Cargo District or find us online. Um, Yeah, keep reading. state that for the record or yeah. okay. he threw off my groove <laughs>